Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Those Aren't Pillows, the podcast celebrating all that's funny in film. Episode two. I hope there's some people listening. Otherwise, this will be a complete waste of time. But I'm sure there is. I'm sure my mum's listening. Hi, mum. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, thank you, anybody who uh, listened to episode one. Uh, me and the lovely Stefan Pape talked about Step Brothers and Dumb and Dumber, which, I mean, you can't get any better than that. Uh, but we thought we'd go a little bit more, less less silly in this one, less gross out, less mannish, shall we say, uh, and discuss two other comedy favourites. Uh, and joining me on this episode is the lovely Emily Murray. Hello, Emily. How are you? Hey, Scott. I am good. How are you today? I'm I'm well. It's a strange switch. It's almost like, I don't know, like, uh, what's the switch comedies? Uh, Freaky like Friday. switch up or change up or something. Yeah, all Freaky Friday. <laughs> so I've been on Emily's podcast. On Emily's podcast, we talked for like hours. <laughs> hours about Christopher Nolan. It was a two. It was a two-part. That's how. That's how. Yeah. Much of a cliffhanger we left the first episode on. <laughs> so with the podcast, of course, we pick uh, a film each, uh, or two films that we have both seen and both enjoy, and link them in in some some way. Although not not as obvious as maybe it seems. Like last week, Step Brothers and Dumb and Dumber. I mean, you can kind of see the, the yeah. connections. With the two we picked this week, they are very influential in their way uh one is a classic from the 80s another is a modern classic that in the couple of years since it came out has been quite an influence and that film has had a lot of influence in some ways from the first one we're going to talk about and we're going to go back to 1988 to a time before tom hanks was a double oscar winner and his probably his probably most cherished film and that is big before we delve in here is a little clip piano lessons we do. Every day after school. Seven years later, Tom Hanks would win two Academy Awards. That's Seven just years crazy. Previous, he was in. Yeah. He was in big, uh, and he also around the time made Splash as well. And he was about to go and make mm. Sleepers in Seattle in a few years' time. So, and he wasn't a massive star at the time. Tom Hanks, he wasn't a massive no. star when this film came out. Uh, but this was the film that this is the film that that made him for sure, hundred uh, percent. Directed by Penny Marshall and uh, Tom Hanks, Elizabeth Perkins is in there. Uh, and a few other people. Robert Lozier. I love that name. I love that name, Robert Lozier. It's, it's, it's just nice to say, isn't it? Lozier. It's like leisure. Like but... leisure. I always remember, is it, yeah. uh, is it in, I think it's in Family Guy, where they, uh, he he says his name in a, like one of the, you know, one of their, but they uh, throw away gags where they're like Robert Lozier, but he spells his name out. So he says, uh. R is for Robert Lozier. O is for, oh my God, look, it's Robert Lozier. And carries on all the way through. He's <laughs> just like, that's the guy from Big and Independence Day. Crikey. Yeah. Crikey. Uh, but yes, we're going to talk about Big, which is an absolute classic of the 80s. Uh, a very, very influential film and a film that's very, a little bit different to all the other sort of comedy films that are out in the 80s. Obviously in the 80s, comedy was such a big, I mean, it's always been a big thing, but in the 80s you had the, you had the 
emergence of people like Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, obviously Richard Pryor was around in the 70s, Robin Williams was becoming a big mm. a big star, uh, also had sort of um, Nine to Five had just, you know, was, had just come out yeah. and lots of uh, Working Girl was around the time. So there was lots of, lots of uh, sort of male and female dynamics mixed in with these kind of strange comedies. But I think the thing with Big That I Love is it's, it's such a touching film and so sweet and so sincere in, in what it's trying to do. And it's, you know, it's a story of a youngster thinking, what would it be like to be big? And trying to, <laughs> trying, to, trying to jump ahead in life when actually there's a lot more life to live before you get to that to that point. Uh, do you remember the first time? Because I think you're, you're a little bit younger than me, aren't you? How, how old are you now? Oh, God. Uh, 26? Yeah, 26. 26. So, <laughs> I had to so think about it then. <laughs> there's, there's, there is, and, you know, I don't, I don't mind this, but there is over a decade between us. <laughs> I'm 38. Yeah. I'm 39 this year. Oh wow! So I'm getting close to my midlife crisis. So the previous episode, Step Brothers and Dumb and Dumber, that's where I'm getting. I'm getting to midlife yeah, crisis yeah. <laughs> era. Uh, but do, do you remember the first time you saw this? Because I, I guess no, you, I in terms of age, you wouldn't have seen it at the time, no. would you? No, I think um, my parents definitely showed it to me. And my sister growing up, it's you. It wasn't like a massive film in our household, like one that we watched on repeat, like not like it wasn't like the Muppets you know but I remember like watching it as a kid and like really enjoying it because it's just it's what you said it's it's just really sincere but there's just such a wonderful charm about it as well mm. uh, you are just absorbed into this world and it does come down to Tom Hanks's performance like he really remains youthful throughout I don't know it's just like it's just nice spending time with him as Josh and you know, like it's funny because I don't think I saw it's a bit creepy but I didn't really see that until I watched it this week because I think this is the first time I've seen it since I was a child um I think like some of it is a bit dated like you know see his relationship with Susan's a little bit weird just a bit weird <laughs> but yeah it's still like it just has that childhood charm to it but also it's not like immature like it is very mature about its themes uh, which I think is like a really hard combination, you know, to pull off, but I think it pulls it off perfectly. It's a very, very hard, you know, in the 80s, it, it, there was this fascination with, you know, the the kind of age comedies, you know, you know, becoming yeah. older or everything else, or, or body swap comedies. They were, they were obviously big yeah, in the 80s. Yeah. We, were, we were just talking about them, you know, Freaky Friday and uh, the one, I can't remember the name, one with Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage, which I used to watch as a kid. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, it's God, I can't remember now. that. <laughs> gonna bug me now. I'm going to have to Google it while we're on air, but I won't do it just yet. But um, <laughs> there was a lot of this kind of, yeah, you kind of jumping ahead in your in your life, trying to trying to do almost like I remember. I think I read somewhere about Big. Someone said it's almost a metaphor for you need to um, crawl before you can walk, kind of things. Of you know, you need to experience, mm. you need to experience all the stuff in between becoming an adult to become the adult you're going to become you know you can't just jump yeah, ahead. yeah. and the, the, the kind of fantasy comedies of the 80s was such a big thing you know and I think big does it so so well but rather than just going for laughs which it which it does and there's a lot of moments I think it, it goes for kind of more warm moments you know like the piano yeah. sequence is it makes you feel fuzzy yeah <laughs> it's it's a you know the, the piano sequence for example is the moment oh, that everybody God. always remembers because it's, it's such a so classic good. thing and has been has been um copied many many times i think i remember seeing uh when i was looking at some stuff on youtube i saw a clip of sandra bullock doing it with tom hanks on the jonathan rush oh, really? a few years ago oh, I, yeah, they, I think it must be when they were in a movie together or had movies coming out at the same time and uh jonathan ross brought out the piano and sandra bullock knows how to play it because it's quite oh. 
think, but you know, like Rob, we talk about Robert Lozier. He, he wasn't exactly mm. a sprightly man at the time, was he? But he manages to. I would, yeah, I was off. thinking that I, he is light on his feet considering mm. he's you know old. Like it was, yeah, it's just very impressive the piano scene. But it's funny because when I told I told a couple of friends I was watching Big this weekend, and the first thing they said to me is like, like how good's that piano scene? And then I think it is a real thing in New York, right? I mean, I've never been to America, but I think a lot of people then went. Yeah. to that shop to go in the piano because that's another thing they said to me they were like oh I've actually done that on the on the big piano because you can go to the go to the store it sort of shows you how iconic it is yeah I think I learned I don't know how to play the piano but I learned I think uh I can't remember if it was a, a family member or an ex-girlfriend or something taught me how to play you know the dun, 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 dun. Uh, yeah. just, part of me has always been like I just want to play it with my feet this is not a, this is not <laughs> This it's is not the same. It's not the same. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, one thing I was going to mention, actually, because it, it was the first time I've seen it for, I watched it the other night. It's the mm. first time I've seen it for a long time. And it does have all of its charm and energy and uniqueness is still there. But yeah, it's one of those things that it, 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 you, you look at it now and you think, like, oh, there is some stuff out there, like the relationship and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's a bit you weird. Get away with yeah. that stuff now, obviously. But you have to kind of put yourself back in a time capsule, don't you? Remember what it was like in mm. the eighties and just not just that, but also when you were a child, because a lot of these movies, eighties movies, particularly for me anyway, I always remember them from my childhood feelings. You know, we, uh, I, yeah, yeah. not just you, but I always mention about my love of master of the universe and some people, mm. some film critics who I've only met for the first time in the last couple of years doing, doing this have said that, that film's terrible. It's like, I know it's terrible, but I can't, detach myself from seeing it when yeah. I was six years old well, that's talking why I about so Masters much. Universe I only saw that the first time a couple of years ago and I loved it because it's what you said it's like you have to sort of see it in the context of what it is yeah and it like even though it's not nostalgic to me because I didn't watch it as a kid I still felt nostalgic watching it in a weird way because it just throws you back to that era mm. but it's the same with big like you do have to like I think as we sort of said that the relationship is like a bit outdated but that was the only thing I felt that didn't come across in today's you know world like everything else worked beautifully and you know what I like about big is it's what you said it's just joyful it's just mm. charming like nothing bad happens like that makes him want to go back to being a kid it's just he sort of realizes that he just misses childhood and there's just something I don't know it's just something nice about that but there's no like tragedy there or drama that spurs on that feeling it's just he just misses being a kid yeah and it, you know like it, 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 i always say with a lot of 80s um comedies i remember i can't remember who said it but someone um when et first came out in 1982 mm. i always remember this because it's such a good kind of description of the 80s you know um i think actually it's on no no tell a lie it's on the blade runner dvd it's frank darabont who obviously has done um did the walking dead shawshank redemption yeah etc etc he talks about, you know, they talk about why Blade Runner was a failure when it came out in the cinema and only now has it become because it was ahead of its time, all that kind of stuff. In the, in the early 80s and then through the 80s, America particularly, but also the world had come out of Vietnam and had come out of Nixon and had come out of so much kind of depressing stuff, which were kind of back in again now in recent in recent yeah. years with, with politics. And we're recording this the day after a certain person has been... Uh, let off the hook but anyway that's yep. for, that's for that's for more that's for smarter people to to dissect that's for, for me and Emily to sit here because we can see each other on the video yeah we're we just shaking our heads, our heads like <laughs> but uh, I'm sure you are as well but we're not here to talk about that um but 
how the world was very different then and people were after happy comfort things and for a lot of the 80s it, there was a lot of stuff in there well, obviously there was there was there was stuff like platoon obviously and all those yeah. things in there but there was a lot of that's why comedy was so big in the 80s it's because people it's what sell what sold audiences was things that were comfortable and funny and light-hearted and warm and fuzzy you know not necessarily in that order but big is a perfect example of that as to mm. why it was such a such a success um had when you were a kid did you i mean obviously tom hanks is such a big name now but at the time as i say he wasn't he wasn't a huge star no. he'd made some comedies he'd made obviously like bachelor party and a few other kind of teen romp comedies which also were kind of big you know there was bachelor party and then there was porkies and and uh can't remember what it's called but the Rodney Dangerfield school or something I can't remember what it was we were big big successes but I mean it's yeah. it's fun now to look back at Tom Hanks now in big because he wasn't he wasn't Tom Hanks as we know now but that kind of yeah yeah him. it's strange isn't it it's looking back and watching roles. him uh do you I mean yeah was that the first time you were kind of introduced to to him because it's a very different performance than what I think for me like used to as a kid obviously Toy Story was like my childhood mm. so when I think of Tom Hanks and like it's Woody um, but it's like, yeah, I hadn't really seen any early Tom Hanks films except for Big when I was a kid. But like, I said, it wasn't like a massive film for me growing up. But like recently, I watched The Burbs for the first time, and a lot, of, and like Splash and and his early comedy films. And he is just a fantastic comedy actor. Like, I kind of wish he still did comedy. Yeah. Because I feel that right. I feel that because he's like this huge actor now. He mostly does dramas, but it, it's just he. It's just genius the way he just captures like Josh's yeah as like a big kid but not in like a man child way mm. like I think it could have easily gone the wrong way with maybe a different actor but we know Tom Hanks is the nicest guy ever so of course you know like he would play like Josh like in a lovely way but I really like his relationship with Billy mm. like it just feels so natural and I think you need that as well to remember that Josh is is a kid yeah um, yeah, I'll tell you one thing, actually, that I do remember from childhood was I wanted that apartment with the trampoline yeah, 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 yeah. and the Pepsi machine, and I still want that apartment. Nothing's changed <laughs> since I was watching it as a kid to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's also got those kind of New York windows, hasn't it, where you just the like... big you know, windows, big yeah. Window, big windows, <laughs> where, you, where you know when you're looking out, you just see kind of New York skyline, and it's always been a dream of mine to go to New York, but you know, I, have a, mm. I have a fear of heights and flying. So what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not going off on a tangent, but my, when I turn 40, that's my year to just be like, right, if all's good, I need to just go and do it yeah. and go and do it mm. once and just worry about it afterwards. But yeah, you're right. I think the relationship with, with Billy, uh, Jared Rushton, who's, who's fantastic. Mm. I think people always remember the piano scene, but a lot of people, I'm sure I've spent many an hour trying to perfect the song and the dance. Oh, yes. Together, oh, my God. Uh, which uh, I dislike the guy so, so much. But James Corden did it with Tom Hanks when they did the kind of yes, did his yes. career. And I was like, that's such a good moment. And then afterwards, I went back to, oh, I, I very much dislike you. But that was a nice moment. I like that. But <laughs> James Corden, Golden Globe it's, nominee. It's, it's annoying because I love Gavin and Stacey, but now James Corden has just been ruined. And uh, it's just, <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, no <laughs> yeah i can't yeah that's that's a whole other podcast for that but yeah it, it, you know golden globe nominee james corden now goodness gracious oh God. anyway it. <laughs> uh but yeah i think the relationship with him is is fantastic and i think those two elements for that for the film to work the the young josh and billy has to work and the old josh and billy has to work yeah, and i think yeah. it's one of those cases where 
I'm sure with a with a, again in the 80s with a comedy script, I'm sure they were like, right, let's offer it to Steve Martin, let's offer it to Eddie Murphy, let's offer it to X Y Z before they get to someone like Tom Hanks. But mm. I'm glad it isn't that because it isn't a comedy in that sense. I think if it was a comedian, quote unquote, I think the film, the messages and the, the kind of themes of the film would have been lost and the relationships would have been lost. But because Tom Hanks, as you say, has that kind of sweet kind of every man yeah. nicest guy in the world element to him even back then it, that's what sells the film and that's why all the comedy moments and the romantic moments because let's be honest it is kind of a romantic comedy as well in yeah, yeah. some ways um a bit, cre- a bit creepy in 2021 <laughs> but uh but you kind of again you have to kind of switch your brain off a bit don't you by modern you have to judge it you can't really judge it by modern standards in that way because it was made yeah, years yeah, ago you know so um but yeah, I mean, do you, in terms of big, do you have a do you have a favorite? Mo- is the piano your uh, favorite moment? It's like what you said. I really like the piano. I really like the song. I also I don't know why, but I like it when at the party and then Susan goes home with him, and mm. she's obviously got something in mind. Yeah. And, but it's not. I mean, Josh is like, do you mean like a sleepover? <laughs> and then she goes in, <laughs> and it's just this kid's apartment. Yeah. And he's trying to get her to trampoline and. It's just there's just something funny about that awkwardness, and it's really nice when she does start bouncing. And it's you know she's going back to her childhood and sort of embra- you know, embracing the fun, like as Josh mm. says, it is all about fun. And I just think that's just a really, that's just a really nice moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think also the the film is so good at doing the juxtaposition between growing up, but also adults not disregarding yeah. the fact they were kids and you know uh, despite you having your dream job and being stressed everything else there is it's important to have a moment or a day like we say we're watching comfort films where you take a step back and you mm. go you know what I, let's yeah let's go and do something fun today let's go to you know without COVID obviously let's go to Orton Towers and have fun and, yeah, and yeah. drink drink Coca-Cola and eat sweets just all day let just let day. loose you know it's, mm. it's important so I like the kind of the way it reflects its back on itself you know it, it shows going being an ad what being an adult was the scariness of being an adult when you were a kid but also not forgetting to be a kid now and again you know and don't forget yeah. your your childhood and what you enjoyed you know like me you know I'm always on about I like I, the things I loved in the 80s you know I was a kid of the 80s and loved He-Man and real Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters yeah. and that kind of stuff and I always like to even though in terms of like being like you a film writer you want to you want to see all the classics and, and see as many of the new films as you can and try and build your library, not just in terms of what you own, but in your head, you know, so you're appreciative of film yeah. and all art form. But sometimes you just, like Stefan was saying, sometimes you just want to put Dumb and Dumber on and just, just switch off for two hours <laughs> and just enjoy the silliness. Big is a bit different, but you can still enjoy it in the way of, you, you yeah. can enjoy it in the way, the spirit of the film, which is to be a kid for a couple of hours and just be like imagine if we had a trampoline how much fun would that be exactly yeah <laughs> it's like I think it works as like a kid's film mm. like in terms of like but also as you said an adult film in terms of like escaping back to childhood also it has one of the best my boyfriend calls them movie jobs so jobs that only exist in films like vice president of a toy company as a toy tester yeah like, we all want to do that really don't we of course of course we do that's one of my facts i would say that like, apart from the classic things one of my favorite scenes is when john hurd's giving his speech uh, about the, the things and he's like why should it transform into this why can't it this and transform into this and all the adults in the room turn almost subconsciously turn off their they're you know we uh, you know we need to make money kind of thing you know boredom yeah, yeah. kind of thing and they become kids they're like oh what well, it did this and you can kind of see the way that josh brings out the child in them. yeah those yeah. is like i mean it would be great if it did this that's incredible why don't we do this and in that moment you kind of see like i say the kind of reflective of the film you know they all become kids for mm. just a, just a couple of seconds while yeah 
rather than just being boardroom no we need to sell and make money it's kind of like oh what if he did this and did this like it's, it's yeah classic. it's classic it's like josh is looking at the chart and he's like this just means nothing and he's totally right about the building that transforms into a robot no one mm. no one would want to play with that mm. that is just a bad toy no, yeah yeah it's like it's like transformers isn't it you want it but uh, bad yeah but bad you want it the other way like the way he describes it uh, i always find that funny we watched it i was just like are they just describing transformers is that not a thing <laughs> but we'll go with kind of the fantasy it's not really like real so maybe yeah haven't been existed haven't been invented in that in that time i don't know but uh but uh, oh big what a, what a classic film it's classic just film. yeah it's just so lovely and warming and it's like this is actually the film you sort of need in lockdown which i think is what a good comedy mm. should be it's something that makes you laugh but you know, I said also feel good except for the, the Zoltar thing is so creepy still I don't know. if I saw a Zoltar I would yeah. that is the creepy kind of 80s fantasy bit coming into it because it was yeah 80s comedies or fantasy films you know never yeah, really yeah. all that kind of stuff the what if you have to have the creepy the creepy Zoltar with the weird mechanical <laughs> mouth that's just I know it reminds me of uh, it always reminds me of uh, in more modern times reminds me of Gar- uh, Gabo in the Simpsons the little toy that comes in uh, it's just like creepy creepy and then the mouth falls off you're like oh all the kids are like running it's like it's creepy it's creepy creepy um but one of the other things we want to talk about and that's this is the link between this film and the next film we're going to talk about mm. uh it's directed by Penny Marshall uh, a, a woman Hollywood are like oh a woman <laughs> especially terrible. a woman doing a comedy film doing a as comedy well. film there was her mm-hmm. and obviously Nora Ephron was obviously a big mm. um a big kind of influence on a lot of people in terms of her writing obviously she is the writer of the greatest rom-com of all time period trademark when Harry met oh. when Harry met Sally oh, and yeah, uh, yeah, of course which is actually yeah. that's how I yeah that's why I watched this day last year because we're recording Valentine's Day yeah and it is the ultimate yeah it's the ultimate Valentine's movie it truly is. Although I watched it on New Year's, New Year's Eve, which is my oh, it's a my, great. My, it's my film. tradition to watch it on New Year's, so we watched it. But <laughs> I don't care about Valentine's Day, so like you, I'll probably watch uh, something dramatic <laughs> this <laughs> evening. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's directed by Penny Marshall, who mm. is sadly no longer with us. But her influence on on so many things. Obviously, she was a woman directing a comedy film, which you know, even to, by today's standards, is disgustingly something that you know. Oh, we can't we can't we can't we can't do that it can't be directed by a woman if it's directed by a woman we have to make all the decisions for her and she has to just go with it yeah. or something you know this this precedent in hollywood which is terrible although this year thankfully with the golden globes they've nominated three out of five yeah female directors which you know some people so i've read online some people saying well if it was a proper year without covid that wouldn't be happening it's like why don't you just sell, sit back and celebrate the fact that three <laughs> of the best films of the year are directed by women just can we just get over this now who exactly it doesn't yeah. matter it doesn't matter. Anyway, she not was a director of this film, but also she was the first director. This was the first film directed by a female that crossed a hundred million dollars in the in box office, which yeah. is which is crazy when you think back at it. It's a crazy a crazy thing to not only it's crazy to talk about it in in any sense, directed by a woman. This and that. It's just like could we not? Does, yeah, does it yeah. It doesn't matter. Why are we even discussing? Is it a good film? Yes, good. Doesn't matter then, does it? Um, <laughs> But her her influence on so many things. I mean, you don't think about it in that context because you think it's about as a Tom Hanks film. But when you yeah. when I was thinking about it when we were going to discuss it, I was like, that's there's so that the the kind of domino effect from that is 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 incredible. And now you know, it seems again, but it seems like we're talking about it in all the wrong ways. Um, yeah. But very very influential in that sense, isn't it? No, it is. Um, I think like also like we always remember as a Tom Hanks film, but 
Penny Marshall has the tone she brings to the movie. Mm. Like, like I don't know, it's just it's just quite it's not soft, but I'm trying to think of the word to say. Yeah, maybe soft. Like it's just warming and like softly spoken. And if it's not brash, and I think maybe with another director, it might have been a bit sort of brash and loud, but it's mm. not because of her tone. And you know, I really need to see her other big film. Is it a League of Their Own? I think she did. Like I she haven't did, uh, seen that. Yeah, she's a League of Their Own with um Tom Hanks and Gina Davis. Yeah, Madonna. She also did Awakenings uh, with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro, which is a fantastic film. She did so many amazing films. I'm just looking. Yeah. Who's got her thing up while we're? Yeah, Awakening. She did. She that back to back. She did Big Awakenings and League of Their Own. Before that, she did Jumping Jack Flash, which is a film I like, starring Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah, I haven't uh, seen she that. She also did Preacher's Wife, Renaissance. Renaissance Man is quite funny, Danny DeVito. But anyway, <laughs> but. It's the the important thing of it was such a big deal in Hollywood yeah. in terms of that it was a film that's white women that did a hundred million dollars, which is just yeah. It's, it's it's kind of it's kind of strange, but in, I was trying to think in the eighties how many, and you go through the list and it's it's so small, it's kind of scary and very sad that, that that's <laughs> yeah. the that's the case, and it's the thing we're still talking about now as well, which is just it baffles my brain that we're even it's even a thing, but yeah, yeah, I know what you such mean. as it is, you know, you look at the uh, you know. You, you always think, like you say, with Big, no one could have directed that as well as Penny Marshall. The results no. wouldn't have been the same if it was Penny Marshall. The same. It's, just, as, it's the tone she brings. It's just yeah. spot on. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same as if, you know, if a a man had directed Promising Young Woman. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it just, it, you know, it would not have worked the same way. It's a different, very different film, obviously. But you just think these the women are deserving of their praise and mm. the, the praise should be, the praise should have been louder for all of these people years decades before than than now but it's just a strange it's just a strange fact that a lot of people i guess modern audiences won't know about big that it was i mean yeah i don't think i did until like a couple years ago i think it's yeah i think also yeah it's when sort of more female directed comedy films are coming out because i feel like that's still a new idea I don't know, because obviously women in film, like, there are just less films directed by women, but I don't know, there's a thing about the comedy genre. I think because there's so many, like, bro comedies out Mm. there that dominate it. But even, like, you have, like, a lot of female-led comedies, like Bridesmaids is directed Mm. by Paul Fide. Like, I feel that there's not really in this genre many, like, female voices in terms of behind the camera, which is why it's... I mean, that's why I sort of picked up on the fact that Big was such an, like, early one. It did surprise me when I read it. And then it was like, oh, wait, no yeah of course it's her <laughs> yeah and even now you know you, uh, i think around the time obviously there was penny marshall nora Ephron. also there was uh nancy myers who did yeah, start with um did the parent trap and obviously the father of the bride one and two and and three <laughs> just and three, on yeah. YouTube. but again she was a i think uh, she was a co-director on both of those i think that's because i think she made them with her then husband so that kind of makes sense but yeah you go through the list and you just think there's not there's not many and it that shouldn't be no. shouldn't be that way because there's so many amazing voices out there that just you know and also with comedy films i guess well i don't guess i guess the opinion in hollywood is that well if it's a woman directing it it's going to be a, a, a sappy saccharine rom-com that's not yeah and i feel the or same something way that's think, well, like yeah just think that's like a throwaway sort of just made yeah. for girls like, yeah disposable yeah. thing that only girls will go and see and it's like it's not it's not about that which is why the next film we're going to talk about is so is so important why we've linked them together uh before we do big i mean uh, a final word on big i mean it's just amazing and like i really would recommend if people haven't seen it for a while like forget the creepy bit (laughs) it's still worth like 
it's definitely worth watch. It's only an hour 40. It's on Disney Plus. It was just, yeah. Like I just watched it Saturday afternoon. It was cold and it was great. It warmed me up. Yeah, if you've got ways. Disney Plus, it is on Disney Plus because Disney it is. is made by Fox. So Fox is now owned by Disney. So, yes. and it's not, it's a PG. So Disney Plus can show it. Uh, obviously, they're new. Although there's some bad language in there. There's like an there is. There is. A, yeah, there's an yeah. S-bomb. I'm yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm just getting old, but I was like, <gasps> not a Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, Disney Plus, I'm surprised they're still in there. But then, like, Mrs. Doubtfire has got a few swears in as well. But I yeah, think that's now oh, been upgraded to a 12, I think, on my Blu ray. It's oh, a 12 it? now, I think. Yeah, I don't know if that's, I think, because they've put a lot of stuff, but there's a couple of things put back in that you wouldn't oh, see right, on the DVD okay. or video release. Yeah, yeah. But that's. Mrs. Doubtfire's for another episode. Anyway, we're <laughs> going to move on to our second film, and we'll talk about Penny Marshall. The second film we're going to talk about is also directed by a female. It's written by a female, stars two females, mm. and has become very influential uh, and quite a big staple of, of filmmaking in the last few years. And it only came out, what, two years ago? Yeah, 2019. It 2019. Was. So you may have some hints as to what we're going to talk about. But before we do, here's a quick clip from the film we're going to talk about next. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Let's go to Nick's party. Are you kidding? No, no way. We only have one night left to have studied and partied in high school. Otherwise, we're just gonna be the girls that missed out. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Okay, we've broken a lot of rules. One, we have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. Yes, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. So modern day, we've come right up into, into modern day. And the film we're going to talk about is the absolutely sensational 2019 comedy Booksmart. Yeah. Directed by Olivia Wilde in her debut. Well, I didn't know she'd done music videos before then. I thought this was genuinely a debut, but she'd, she'd done, done lots music, of music videos. videos. Yes, she I, had. She had. I didn't know that. Yes, she had. Yes, she had. So she'd done music videos for, I should have got this up before we started recording, but she was a director. She did uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> uh, and she did a couple of others as well ah. before then, uh, which is, but obviously people know her as an actress, obviously from tron legacy from the change from all these supporting comedy female roles apart from i guess tron and a few yeah i don't think she ever had like a proper yeah proper lead role did she but book smart it's one of my favorite films ever it was my favorite film of 2019 so (laughs) i think i think we've been living it's it's what you said it's sensational it's i remember seeing it in the cinema and being so so i saw it quite late after everybody else not everybody else but a lot of (laughs) obviously we're in the film but lucky enough to be in the kind of film community as it were a lot of people had seen it and it would play yeah. at festivals. And there was a lot of buzz about it. So I saw it quite late in terms of after. Lots of other people had said, you've got to go and see this. It's, it's incredible. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and it was one of those rare times where you go in with so much expectation because of the expe- the things that people mm. have said to you and you're not disappointed. In fact, it exceeded the expectation. Yeah, yeah. From those, even from those first opening 10 minutes where you meet <laughs> these two friends you know they're they're dancing with each other they tell each other how how hot they are and all those kind of things you just think this this is my kind of film this is this is incredible so i guess you yeah. saw it did you see it in the cinema first or was yeah it- i saw it i saw i think odeon had like early screenings because it was one of those sort of indie movies that i think they wanted to like drive people towards they did like an early screening for like lim- i think it was like a limitless like yes uh, and i remember just being first of all disappointed <laughs> in the turnout because like I think it's quite infamous that Booksmart didn't like make much money at the box mm. office which annoys me because people should have seen it 
But uh, and then, yeah, like what you said, I felt like it was released earlier in America. So I had all these sort of rave reviews from America. And I was like, uh, I was just sort of, because it's being labeled as super bad, but for women, mm. I don't know. I really like super bad, by the way, but there was something about that that put me off. I was like, oh, is it just going to be a bit cliche or a bit like immature or like a bit, I don't know, like gross out comedy. And it was really refreshing then, but it was so smart and <sighs> like funny and witty and just like, it's just an ode to female friendship, really. Like I feel that like a lot of comedy films or like films in general don't really get like female friendship because it's so like it's really complex and emotional and difficult as all these hormones are going on and you know I think Amy and Molly like they love each other but also like they fight and they fall out and you know like I think it just really sort of nailed the nuances there mm. and um you know, it made me cry as well at the end which I didn't expect you know when they say goodbye to each other as they go their separate ways and yeah I just like I just instantly fell in love with it and I've been obsessed ever since yeah yeah I think well the first thing I would say yeah I think it didn't make a lot of money it got all these great reviews and nobody went to see it but I think if memory serves it came out around the time that Avengers Endgame came out which oh did it may or may not I think it was event was 2019 yeah it must have been Endgame then which obviously it's a very different film and obviously would take a lot of money but I think because everyone who could see it went to see Avengers Endgame and had oh, yeah. you know, record-breaking numbers, all this kind of stuff. I think maybe it got the, you know, sometimes they put these films against stuff like the Avengers for counter-programming for other people to see. But I think such was the, mm. because it was the last Avengers movie or the last movie for a lot of these people and, you know, the MCU is going to change after that, all that kind of stuff. It kind of got lost in the shadows of that. You know, it's quite a, it's quite, yeah. they're, they're, they're hard it's hard at the best of times to get your smaller film to be seen if it's going up against these big movies which is such a shame but I think normally people would see both or you know there'd be enough people to go and see Booksmart and made it a bit more so I think the fact that it went up against Avengers Endgame maybe maybe wasn't the best decision but also you (laughs) you know in terms of business you think well actually it's kind of good that it's going I don't know if it went up directly against it but it was in within yeah yeah I think eighth grade was the same release date as Avengers Endgame and then Booksmart yeah. was just after yeah there you go so, so I remember eighth grade and Booksmart yeah. were yeah. like really released close together um, yeah. and again like eighth grade didn't make too much money and people should see it but I feel that I think Booksmart is on Netflix now I've seen a few like friends who aren't like in the film circle be tweeted like just watch big smart why did nobody tell me about this movie and i'm yeah. there, like i've been telling you about this on we the internet for two ages. years now come on <laughs> ages you should see this film i know it's had a huge impact <laughs> a lot of obviously yourself and a few other uh good friends male and female it's had such a big impression on them um but i think yeah. you're right i think the you know we've seen lots of coming of age stories before um, but none quite like this. None that have quite got the female teenage experience or the female experience yeah. quite as succinctly this, as yeah. this. And also, but you we know, have I, a lot of like. Go on. No, I was just going to yeah. say. I obviously, I I can only um, adhere my feelings to it so far because I am a man <laughs> and not a female. But in terms of <laughs> actually, you know, my own upbringing is very different to you know female upbringing or female existence in that female you know teenage life and everything especially in america you know but that no one's no one's ever done it in this way before mm-hmm. no one's ever made me stop and think about it even though it's a yeah. comedy and kind of go okay well, I, it, yeah there's a lot here that i don't understand never will understand because i'm a man but 
it gives me an much more of a deeper appreciation for for everything. And I think because it's done in a it's done in part in comedic ways, but it goes down the route of like with yes. super bad. There's obviously there's you know, you know bloke blokey jokes, fart jokes, jokes about women, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, it's, and it's just written by Seth Rogen, so it has a certain feel yeah. to it. So I, mean, I, think, I love Seth Rogen, so yeah, so do I. So do I. I love him to bits, and obviously, um, a lot of his films are very very funny. But the super bad, I think, is a is a is a good comparison in terms of. The, the 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 kind of some of the feel of it but i think it cheap it, i think that's a it cheapens maybe your expectations by thinking it's super bad because it's not super bad is a very very different film as is bridesmaids bridesmaids yeah. is a very very different film it's about a different part of you know different period in a woman's life you know it's on, on yeah. the cusp of midlife crisis kind of stuff but i think with book smart the thing that i took away from it is that it handled the um the coming of age stuff so so well in the sense that you know women when men and women are dealing with their sexuality and dealing with mm. what they want to be in life and that isn't always funny and it isn't always perfect and i liked the way yeah. that olivia wilde and the writers that were on it chose to show the messy side of it rather than tie it up in a neat bow like you say even the ending itself is not you know life like it is it's, it's a great echo of life in a sense it doesn't always happen it doesn't always end the way you want it to yeah. sometimes you do have to say goodbye but it's the journey rather than anything else that that you should take away from it but I like the fact that she talked a lot about obviously there's the there's the love scene in between which is between mm. um Caitlin Dever's character I can't remember her name it's gone off the top of my head now Amy Amy and one of the girls at her school and it's kind of exactly how life is you know sometimes yeah. love 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 scenes always made out to be this this perfect thing when actually for anyone who you know has ever been in that situation before which is a lot of us it doesn't always go down that way you know particularly in the first instance yeah. you know um <laughs> and i like that and also like the fact that they were dealing she 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 dealt with things in such a touching realistic um messy way i think that's what kind of elevates it above everything yeah. else and separates it from everything else because it could have quite easily gone down the route of oh this is super bad for girls well that's i think that's the thing because it was advertised as that that sort of mm. put me off it maybe a bit because it, as you say it's a completely different film and you know like when like we have sort of female orientated like high school comedies it's films such as mean girls mm. and freaky friday and i love those movies but also when I talk Freaky Friday, I wonder about the Lindsay Lohan one, because that is that's what I grew up watching rather than the Jodie Foster <laughs> one. But you know, it's like I never felt seen by those movies. It was a completely different world. But there was something about Book Smart that felt natural and real. Um, and you know, I think Olivia Wilde said, I think in an interview, she said it's about these girls' first like love. And the first love is, you know, their best friend themselves and like it's all about the sort of the highs and lows of that relationship. But I really liked how, yeah, about how natural it felt. And I know that Olivia Wilde put like a lot of effort into making it natural. I think uh, Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever, like they were roommates for 10 weeks together, mm. you know, to sort of get to know each other and sort of like, I suppose, become friends. And then I know that um, Wilde spent a lot of time talking to like high schoolers and traveling the country and speaking to young people and being like, asking them about their experiences um, and really putting that into into her direction and with the writers into the script and I feel that um, like it all comes across like it just feels very real and natural and that's something I've sort of never seen before in terms of 
like coming of age comedies but about about women like as mm. you said like bridesmaids i think is very real for that period of a woman's life but like i hadn't seen it before for like the sort of like the puberty one mm. like, it's a very different movie to like some mean girls etc like because of how natural it is and it doesn't put women against each other at all there's no competition there it's just molly and amy love each other the best friends but you know like that's not perfect there's issues there and they fight and and, and as you said you know at the end they say goodbye and even though it sounds like they're gonna remain friends like who knows like people do just lose contact and yeah, yeah it just felt real to me and that's what i think that's why it sort of stood out yeah and i mean it's i think that a lot of the comedy of the film and there is a lot of funny moments in it come out of that that way of you know the the kind of the the narrative that they chose to to explore which is yeah. you know, in real life there is comedy out of everyday things it doesn't have to be about you know obviously you know super bad there's obviously fart jokes and jokes about jugs and jokes about yeah. uh women and jokes about drinking and all that kind of stuff you know and uh funny names like mclovin you know all those things are are very much of a you know they're a, they're a, you know yeah. very much tailored to a male audience you know in those days Superbad was a it was like a if you look at the comparisons probably oh yeah it's kind of like Dumb and Dumber and it's kind of like Step Brothers and it's kind of like this and it's kind of like that where yeah yeah you kind of know what you you know what you're going going to get when you go into it it's kind of safe I guess in some ways whereas Booksmart isn't safe and I like that about it it isn't no. um and also it doesn't feel like it's a film that's been compromised in any way which I like I like the fact that even though it is a comedy you know it, it is a comedy it's a coming of age comedy but could have quite easily been something where they said, well, that love scene, I feel like we should make it sexier to get some people, yeah. get some thumbs on seats, or maybe at the end they could stay friends and they both go to this or this and that. And it's, there's no compromise there, which is what I like. There's so much of Hollywood where there is compromise. And um, mm. we get a lot of, like we talked, I think um, Kathy Yan's been talking a lot, a very different film, obviously Birds of Prey, but talking about how, you know, it was a big kind of female-led superhero movies, but even then, she still had to make compromises to please yeah. the studio. And you just think it's very this. This isn't not. We're going to talk about it, but this isn't Batman. Birds of Prey is different <laughs> to Batman and Superman. You know, you have to learn yeah, when yeah. to step in and when not to step in. And I think I like the fact that it is an indie. Obviously, it is a kind of independent film in some respects because of the, the way it's made and everything else. But I like the fact that it. You know, they follow through with the way they've planned the film and the way it's been made with the story yeah. you know all of that kind of comes together and it coalesces into this amazing film that is very funny but also very touching so very funny. moving yeah. and i like as i say i like the messiness of it because life is messy there's no there's no getting around stresses and yeah. anxieties there's particularly a at that age all. yeah mm. particularly at that age you're still discovering you know like we we're saying with big you know the story of big is, a, is about jumping into your into adulthood when Booksmart is about this period where actually you need to go through this period and and go through all of these <laughs> challenges before you can get to the next stage and life yeah. is messy and I like that about it and um yeah I've, I haven't seen it as many times as I should have seen it but uh it's a it's a fantastic film there's so many <laughs> I, so I many mo <laughs> <laughs> so many great moments uh do you have a favorite because I know mine uh... mine is the I couldn't stop laughing that the who told you you could look this this or that 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 sequence where they're getting dressed for oh it's just oh it's, it's beautiful just, it's so so funny <laughs> it's just so many i i feel that my two i love amy and molly like i love them so much and my girls and just amazing but i love jared and Gigi. um <laughs> i just every time they're on screen i find myself howling there's a moment where jared invites them to like his boat party 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so awkward. And I think the actor's name is Skylar Jasondo, I think. Yeah, and yeah, Skylar, yep. Billy Lord as Gigi. And just every time they're <laughs> Every time they're on screen, they light up. And I was actually, I thought I'd like for some research, do some like reading of early reviews. And there were loads of reviews that said that Billy Lord was really miscast and Gigi was really like, not like the right note. And I'm like, excuse me, have you like been watching a different movie? No because yeah. like she just comes in on like this car and she's like dressed as a diva. And she's just, <laughs> she, I don't know, just, she's just incredible. And I like how awkward Jared is. It's like, I think in his boat party, it has a sign that says prepare to get bashed. I mean, he adds prepare to get consensually bashed. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, um, but he's like, I've started watching, oh God, what is it? Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix, oh, yeah. which yeah, is he's a that, comedy yeah. series. Really funny. And he's in that and he's really good. But um, also like one thing you said earlier about the sort of awkward sex scene with Amy, like one thing I wanted to say about the movie is, I think it's refreshing that, Obviously, Amy's a lesbian, but that's not a plot point. That's not, this isn't like her coming out yeah. story. It doesn't really yeah. matter that she's a lesbian. Like, no. what matters is, is that she's exploring her sexuality awkwardly, like everyone else. Like, I think, I'm trying to think of another film where the character being gay wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a massive plot point mm. because, it, you know, it was like that felt different. And that's a really funny scene. I really like her relationship with. Is it Dina? I can't remember the other girl's uh, name now. I think it's Dina. Yeah. Diana Silvers. Oh, Hope. Diana Silvers. She plays Hope, yeah. Hope, yeah. Um, I think that's a great scene, but all of it. I just love all of it. But yeah, yeah. I think Jared and Gigi are my favourite characters. <laughs> they're just, they're so funny. <laughs> yeah, like you say, you know, with with a lot of these kind of comedies, the, the sex part is always a big part yeah. of it in a sense that, especially from... If you're looking at it from a male gaze, it was obviously a big part of all of those movies. Looking at the eight, like we were saying about Big, you know, there was Porky's and all those movies that was about blokes uh, peering yeah. on girls, you know, getting getting erections and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this is such a it's a it's a key moment of the movie, but it's not the moment that 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 defines it. You know, it's not even about yeah. that. It's that it's just it's normal. You know, especially in you know, in her next phase of her life, which is university, that's a big part of the experience is to. Mm is to find out about yourselves in terms of your not just your job but in terms of you as a person you know whether that means your sexuality yeah, yeah. or who you're friends with who you're not friends with what you want to do you know all that kind of stuff and i like yeah it's not made a big deal out of and sometimes in yeah that, it is i mean look at super bad one of the big scenes is is, a, is an awkward sex scene with mclovin and that girl and it's then reverberates for a while longer in the film whereas this is yeah. is not it's about the moment you know yeah, rather yeah. than the the before and the after you know and i i, I like that as well but uh, yeah, I do, I do, uh, I do like Gigi as well. She's very, 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 very funny, both of them. Okay, um, yeah. And it's got one of my favourite people in it, which is Jason Sudeikis. Oh yeah. Oh, like. it's, uh, this is a funny story. So my boyfriend was interviewing Jason on Zoom for Ted Lasso, which is incredible. Like, oh, I just a moment to appreciate Ted Lasso there. But um, and obviously he was married. I think he was married to Olivia Wilde. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like really loudly sneezed from the other room because that just is what happens with. <laughs> zoom interviews and jason from my boyfriend's computer yells bless you and i yell back thank you i was like by the way i love you in book spot and he was like thanks i was like it's one of my favorite movies he's like i'll tell olivia <laughs> like oh, he's yeah. just his character is really funny like it's such a great moment when they call an uber yeah. and it's him <laughs> it's the principal yeah <laughs> like it's just yeah i can't believe also we haven't spoke about the animated scene 
Oh, which of course, is yeah. So random. Yeah. But I feel that it works. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And again, like you just people talk about Superbad. The animated stuff in Superbad is about big, the the big penises that Jonah Hill draws. You know. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this, it's 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 actually a a, a plot point for it has a, a substance to it. It isn't just a, again like a throw. Yeah, it's about women's about, bodies. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um. So well done. And it's all. I get. You know, the more we talk about, it, maybe this is kind of the antithesis of Superbad in the sense of they're doing everything yeah. the opposite or in the in the. I, don't know, I think because it is but... Superbad for girls. I was yeah. like, no, no, yes, it, that's not it's, it. It's... it's not. Yeah. I will drop into the conversation that I too did interview Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was t- he lovely? I he mean, was he lovely. Yeah, lovely sitting way. in his living room, which is always fun with these Zoom things because you just sit in your living room. You don't have to get dressed up. He was in a hoodie and a and a, and a baseball cap. Uh, yeah, he's very nice. He, I said to him about because um, I'm a Tottenham fan. He Ted Lasso. Uh, the first time you see Ted Lasso is he's the coach of Tottenham. So that's how we, me and well, obviously Spurs fans that I know, got introduced to him. Yeah. So when I spoke to him, I wore my Spurs shirt on the interview and it came up did in he conversation. Notice? He didn't, but someone else did. Um, but I said, oh, because uh, one of the first things, in Ted, the first scene you see in Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso in the adverts for Spurs, for, for uh, NBC, he says, hi, this is Ted Lasso. I'm the manager of the Tottenham Hotspurs and I'd like to talk to the Queen. That's the first thing he says. So I said to him, are you going to try and get the Queen? Is he going to meet the Queen in season two if we do a season two? And he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to get on the on the call to uh, Olivia Coleman or Claire Foy and get to come, get him to come down for a scene." I was like, "Dude, that was and now there's a season two. I almost want to be yeah, like, that has to happen, dude. You have yeah. to do it." But uh, yeah, very very. It's all. It's, he's, it's, he is. Yeah, he's great. It's strange in this. now I feel as well. The cast is just all the cast is spot on. Perfect. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you get uh, Will Forte and Lisa Kudrow, who are always. Good, oh, for, good for laughs. Uh, still yeah. maintain Lisa Kudrow is the best, the funniest friend, but it's up for debate. I love Jana, no, obviously, I, but I, she is she is yeah. just if you go through the series and I always rewatch them like every year. I have to you have to every year or so you have to rewatch, if not all of Friends, some of Friends. Just all of it. All it the time. All the it's time. All she is. I know Chandler's the funny, and I love Chandler. And I was compared to Chandler when I was a teenager, but just yeah. so on point she is all the time. Um it's just a shame that we talk about Jason Stegas and Olivia Wilde because they are separated i know she's now dating harry styles though which is just so. yeah yeah <laughs> i never uh you know people said about the age difference again and talking about um you know zach braff and florence Pugh. and i'm like do you guys have nothing better to do than talk about it anyway it doesn't matter I know, whatever, right. whatever floats your boat in real life i just, just i just feel yeah. bad for jason he's just being pitched by that one direction guy like <laughs> <laughs> poor guy Poor guy, yeah. but they have a child together, don't they? I think, or two, do they have two kids? One kid, two kids, anyway. Oh, god, I don't know. Um, well, but he, yeah, he's doing great with Ted Lasso, which is yeah, season two best, is coming. One of very the best exciting. Shows I've seen. And again, it's one of those things like very similar to Booksmart, where people are like, Where's Ted Lasso been? Why has no one told me about this? No, I, like, I was telling you last year, everyone should watch it. <laughs> it's not just about football, the football is you'd have to worry about the football. It's like, I, I think I've been to one football match, and I was so bored. <laughs> um, I don't mean, I like the only time I do football is when England are doing well in the World Cup, and that's because everyone does football then. Yeah, but, like yeah, it's not about football. Yeah, it's like book smart's not really about like about coming of age. Like it is a female friendship. And yeah, it's just there's just so much to it. It's the, yeah, it's one of those films where like I recommend it to people. Like like even my sister or my mom, and then they like they reply like, oh, I loved it. I'm like. Yeah, Taste. yeah. I'd even tell my. I think I told my mum to watch. Not that she watches too many movies, but I like my sister or friends have like watch Booksmart. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's just everything go. about it. Like 
the soundtrack, the music, the soundtrack's great as well. For it, is it just the soundtrack is good? I don't know. Yeah, it's just like the perfect sort of modern comedy, and yeah. I feel that it's what we said with like Big with Penny Marshall, like that tone that she brings to Big is so soft. Like I feel that like this movie would have been very different with a male director for sure. Like I don't think they would have understood because you've had had male directors direct films about about young women. I mm. don't think he, like a guy, would have understood really like female friendship and why Amy and Molly t- tick and why they fall out and mm. you know, why they love each other. Yeah. Well, like you say with Mean Girls, that's that's directed by a by a by a man, but I think because of Tina Fey's influence, her writing oh, and yeah. everything else, it doesn't really get yeah, lost yeah. in in anything. So, um, but yeah, I don't think again, like we'd be, it wouldn't have worked without Olivia Wilde, which is. I guess it one on one hand a strange thing to say because she hadn't directed before, but then you think, why hasn't she directed before? You know, it's yeah, I'm like, excited for her next project. Yeah, oh, it don't, her, worry, don't worry, yeah, darling. Her, the cast for that movie is stacked, stacked. It's because of Booksmart. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she, she, I liked. Did you see her thing where she talked about firing Shia LaBeouf for being a bit of a dick? Well, yeah, no asshole policy. Yeah, kudos, kudos. Yeah. Regardless of who it is, I know Shia LaBeouf has a lot of uh, <laughs> talk about him at the minute, but kudos to her for doing that because not many people would you know no. um, i think uh, was it her who said because she's an interview of emerald fennel and she said yeah. that a director told her to have at least three public arguments a day to yeah. sort of like have dominance and she was like uh no <laughs> like i would not be doing that and just yeah. had a no asshole policy yeah that's almost the equivalent of uh, i talk about friends in the friends episode where monica hires joey just so she can shout uh, him and fire him and fire him to make it's, an impression no yeah. you just need to you know <laughs> do what olivia wilde did and just go no there's no assholes on my set you can you could do one i'll get i'll get someone else and she got yeah. harry styles instead <laughs> yeah i think it's harry styles florence lovely florence and oh, chris pine yeah. and a smattering of other amazing talents so I think that's coming out at the end of the year, which fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed. But uh, I feel that like Booksmart, like in ten years' time, will be yeah. sort of like really discussed as a classic in the same yeah. way Big is, and yeah. I feel that people will watch it nostalgically in the same way Big is, and it's because of the impressive work these women behind the camera are doing. Hundred percent. It's strange to look at films like that now. Like in ten years, it'll be yeah. great. It's like appreciate it now, and appreciate yeah. for those ten years. But yeah, it's it's one of those that. Yeah, but in ten years, five, ten years time, we'll all be like book smart. It'll be on all those lists of the best films of mm. the of the decade. In fact, it probably was. I'm sure it was probably on some of those lists at the end of last probably. year. Probably, yeah. Um, now we're in the next decade. Anyway, book smart. Go and see it if you haven't seen it. It is incredible. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Happy... If you got Netflix, yeah, I think there's no it's excuse. Netflix. <laughs> Who hasn't got Netflix? Especially while you're at home, there's no excuse. Sit and watch it. It will, mm. it will, it will charm you, entertain you, make you laugh. In think. fact, it is actually a good double bill with Big because both are about friendship. Yeah, and coming That's of age. That's why we pick and... them. It's yeah, a good. I mean, it's yeah. a good double. <laughs> a, f- a few, a few different links, which is which is good. Um, yeah. So yeah, there we go. Episode two of those aren't pillows. Uh, we've gone. We went a little bit less mannish <laughs> in the last episode. <laughs> we talked about Dumb and Dumber and Stepbrothers, but you can watch that episode now at your podcast repository of choice that was me stealing from simon brew sorry simon if you're listening that's what he <laughs> says because i listen to his podcast all the time that's what he says film but yeah, stories podcast, yeah film yeah. stories which is great if you don't already listen to it but i'm sure you do because it's fantastic we are on twitter at pillows pod i am on twitter at scott writes from also on our twitter page you can find our link tree to all 
the places you want to listen to your podcast spotify google podcasts etc etc uh emily where can people find you on twitter uh i am at emily v murray i tweet a lot about films and my cat that's a good that's a good combination i think so that's what and yeah. i've been screaming about book smart on there for for two years now so <laughs> well we'll scream, we'll scream some more when this episode we'll scream comes some out more. we'll scream some more about book smart and big both are classics and big. Oh. <laughs> uh, emily thank you so much for joining me on episode two uh stay it tuned was. for episode three which comes out next week where i'll be joined by a proper film critic <laughs> <laughs> i guess you could call it that she is uh clarice loffrey will be joining uh, me we love clarice. and uh, one of the films we talk about i've never seen oh actually i think she told me what film it is and i was uh, like I've, I've never heard of that yeah <laughs> i i got it confused with i won't say what it is but i got it confused with something that's it's very similarly titled and then she sent me uh, a clip and i was like i have no idea what this is but i'm intrigued it'll be adventure for you then an adventure for me adventure. which is what this podcast is all about uh also hopefully there might be a very special episode coming soon with our first review uh, where we will hopefully talk about the upcoming comedy sequel coming to america maybe we'll see how i'm that excited goes that i only so this is uh, just a quick note to say that um i'm really bad at watching comedy films and my boyfriend says it's because i have no sense of humor so the fact <laughs> i've been invited to a comedy podcast is very funny <laughs> uh, but oh, I, um, oh, that's incredible you should say that at the top like, of the show <laughs> i should have it's because like he'd show me like films i hadn't seen before when we started dating like what we do in the shadows and i just don't find like I just didn't find that funny at all, and there was a couple others that I just like wasn't laughing at. So then that's why I'm now known with my friends that I have no sense of humor. But I do, kind of. I just have very particular <laughs> sense of humor. Big and book smart, but um, yeah. But I watched Coming to America for the first time two weeks ago for the sequel, and it's a classic. I'm like, why oh, have so I not good. seen this before? So so good. Uh, we talked about in the last podcast about the the time, you know, thirty odd years since the last one. So. Yeah whether that will be good or not we don't know but if we get to see it we will we will discuss it at some point uh but yes thank you for listening make sure you follow us on all those platforms and we'll be back for episode three next week until then take care of yourselves and goodbye